We're continuing now with um, some characteristics common to all five manifestations of the Dhamma. And you might remember uh, that we discussed the first of these. Was that someone speaking to me or us? I guess not. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, so that first uh, commonality was that all of the different forms of the Dhamma one can think of as replicas of the Aprakata Dhamma or Goloka Vrindavan in the spiritual world. Uh, a replica, we can say, is a copy. Um, and when we think of copy, we may get worried because, for example, in the art world, uh, you may have an original painting, which is, if it's by a very famous painter, will be very valuable. Uh, and there are imitation copies of that original painting um, <laughs> and sometimes those might be sold as the original um, yeah I won't go off on a tangent there but this is one of the things in common uh, the second one second thing in common it's the same persons, the same personalities. Uh, of course, the Lord himself, Lord Krishna, it's the same Lord Krishna who is coming from the spiritual world to the material world. It's, it's no less Krishna than in Goloka Vrindavan. Um, and similarly, all of Krishna's associates who come with him. Uh, he, Shiva Maharaj mentions here, he quotes Srila Prabhupada uh, those, uh, for those who may not understand this point properly, he says, Prabhupada says, if I think that, quote, I shall become Mother Yashoda, that is also my avada. That is also my avada, exactly like that, if one thinks that I shall become Krishna. Unquote. Why is it my avada? Because the position of Mother Yashoda is already filled. It's already taken permanently. There is and can be only one, just as there is only one Krishna. The eternal associates of the Lord are exactly that, eternal. <laughs> uh, then there's a third feature that all uh, of the dhammas have in common, both manifest, unmanifest. The prominence of youth over Krishna's other ages. 
So Krishna's original form has a technical term, namely Navayovana. Yovana means youth and Nava means new, so new youth, or can also have the sense of fresh, fresh youth. Um, and he is understood, therefore, to be the uh, primordial, the original Cupid, or Kamadeva. Uh, and this is understood to be a form which is transcendentally superior to his form as a child or a younger boy, and therefore is more prominent. Now, I can well imagine that different devotees with different relationships to Krishna will contest this point. Um, but I'm just quoting. So, uh, don't shoot the messenger. Um, yeah, so... He goes on more about this non-distinction uh, between the different dhammas. And then there are distinguishing characteristics. And he has quite some elaboration on distinguishing characteristics, um, which are sort of expansion of what we already talked about with the, different, the five different types of dhamma. Um, I'll go now to the last of these. I think it is the dhammas invoked by the presence of sadhus. So this, I believe, gets into um, intentionally establishing a holy place, which is Shivaram Swami's particular concern with these with this book series. Okay, uh, he starts this section by quoting Jiva Goswami in his commentary uh, to the verse in Brahma Samhita, which begins, Premanjana Churita Bhakti Vilochanena Santasadaiva Ridayeshu Vilokayanti, which continues, Yang Shyama Sundarama Chintya Guna Sarupam. So, Jiva Goswami says, although he, the Lord, stays in the realm of Goloka, Lord Krishna may nevertheless be seen by eyes anointed with the salve of love. This is described in this verse. Uh, the word achintyaguna sorupa means that the Lord is seen by eyes tinged with the salve of love. Unquote. In other words, a devotee who is advanced in such a way as Jiva Goswami is describing can see Krishna and Vrindavan wherever he or she goes. And then he quotes Srila Prabhupada as saying, wherever you are in Krishna consciousness, 
That is Vrindavan. Wherever you are in Krishna consciousness, that is Vrindavan. Um, okay, so that's something to think about. <laughs> uh, traditionally, these manifestations of the Dhamma take the form of temples, but they can also be epitomes of Vrindavan, which almost always includes temples. Um, and this leads me to, in the next few minutes, want to share with you something from Srila Narahari Chakravarti Thakur. Uh, this was um, published several years ago. By whom? Doesn't tell us who's translating. The translator is very humble. Maybe it's Mumipati. I don't know. He doesn't give. Maybe it's in the acknowledgments. Ah. Oh well. Okay. It's pun. It says Pundarika Vidyanidi. Um. My guess is he take took some help. Doesn't matter. Matura Mandala Parikrama. Uh, this is selected from, it's not the entire, it's part of the fifth chapter of Bhakti Ratnakara. And uh, what's happening in, in this uh, section of Bhakti Ratnakara, the Bhakti Ratnakara is telling about the devotees uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu following the first generation. It's the next generation of devotees. And so it's, um, it's, it's affirming that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission is continuing. Um, and uh, as we know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself came to Vrindavan uh, and spent a short time there here we're hearing again about Vrindavan. This is that was described in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, now we're getting again a visit to Vrindavan, and this is of uh, Shrinivas Acharya and Narutam Das Thakur, who are getting a guided tour by none other than Sri Raghava Goswami who is living at Govardhan. And Raghava Goswami is uh, very happy to do this service on the request of Jiva Goswami, <laughs> who is also living in Vrindavan. Um, and the link to what we just read before, that the places that devotees may see as Vrindavan and then manifest or intentionally make Vrindavan, they're likely to have temples. 
Uh, and so here is mentioned uh, that Shinivas, uh, Acharya, and Narutam, uh, when they go with Raghava Pandit, where do they go first? They go to Mathura, and there they go to the Keshava, uh, the Keshava Temple. It's here somewhere. I'm not finding it now. Uh, okay. There's a there's a section of um, glorification of Mathura Mandala, which is quoting um, from Puranas, mainly Padma Purana and Skanda Purana, and so on. I'll just read one one of these. Um, Padma Purana, Patalakanda says, Mathura is more glorious than the Vaikuntha Dhamma of Narayana. Anyone who spends even one day in Mathura will become devoted to the lotus feet of Sri Hari. But what if I can't even spend one day in Mathura? The Adivaraha Purana says, If anyone desires freedom from material bondage and attainment of love of God, he should glorify Mathura with his body, mind, and words. So that's something we can do. We can glorify uh, Mathura with body, mind, and words. Now, I wanted to share a story that Raghava Pandit tells about Advaitacharya's experience in Mathura. And I like these sort of layers upon layers uh, way of relating. So Raghava Pandit says, a wise person once told me <laughs> that Advaitacharya, Advaita Goswami, stayed in Mathura during his pilgrimage because of, its, of the beauty of Mathura. And now he tells of some trouble. There was a brahmana, described here as a worthless brahmana, who used to speak negatively about the Vaishnavas. He was a proud scholar and a very nasty person. Once he spoke harshly about the Vaishnavas in front of Advaita Prabhu. Advaita Prabhu became furious so furious, his lips began to tremble and his eyes grew red. He shouted at the Brahmana, O wicked man, today you will not escape from me. I shall sever your head from your body with this chakra. And then Advaitacharya 
manifested forearms with chakra. The brahmana saw what was happening. He threw himself down, trembling in fear. And he begged Advaitacharya, punish me as you like. Unfortunately, I have lost my good intelligence. And not understanding Vaishnava Tattva, I have committed unlimited sins. Please be kind to me and save me from these sins. And then he began to cry helplessly. And then Advaitacharya, the two extra arms disappeared. Advaitacharya felt compassion for him and he spoke in sweet words. The sins which you have committed will send you to hell. But I will tell you what you must do now. Admit your guilt mentally. Give up all pleasures and engage yourself in Nama Sankirtana. Serve the Vaishnavas with your heart and soul and be very cautious in your dealings with them. Engage yourself in worship according to the standards of pure devotion and do not tell anyone what you have seen today. <laughs> he's saying, because he's manifested his forearmed form, he said, don't tell anybody that you've seen me in that form. And then he goes on to explain that uh, this Brahman then did, he followed these instructions, and he would go door to door to the Vaishnavas and beg their forgiveness. The Vaishnavas, of course, would uh, feel uh, they wanted to, they would forgive him. Uh, but they were wondering, why is this man, who we always knew is so horrible, how is it that suddenly he's changed? And then one of them says, I know why. It's because one Brahmin once came to Mathura whose effulgence was as bright as the sun. Most likely, he was the Lord in a human form. He has changed the Brahmana. And then uh, Raghava Pandit says, O Srinivas, see how beautifully situated this place is. The glories of a bath at this half-moon-shaped section of the Yamuna are well known. And so it goes on. They're going to begin their tour of Vrindavan. And yes, we can think of this as one theme, the beauty of Vrindavan. And so we can, um, we can, we can use, I like to say, we can use our imagination uh, to picture that beauty. And we can also picture how 
the Lord manifests his mercy in such a place uh, for one even as terrible as this unnamed Brahmin. And we may remember that in order to uh, aspire for receiving such mercy ourselves. Hare Krishna, so our time has ended for today. Thank you all so much for joining. Have a nice rest of the weekend and a nice rest of the week and Purushottama Masa.